0: Boy, it's good to be saved, good to be saved in a dark day, such a dark day that we live in. It's just uh, tragic times, I guess would be a word I would use, they're just tragic, tragic to see the way the world's going, tragic to see uh, the way that uh, uh, many of our uh, loved ones are going. Sad to see often how, many, how, how the direction some Christians take, but, but uh, it's just tragic. Tragic to see young lives waste godly raisins. That's a tragedy. But if you're saved by God's grace, you got plenty to be thankful for, plenty to shout about, plenty to be uh, glorifying the Lord about. So uh, I trust that uh, the Lord will help you this morning. We'll be back in the book of Titus again, uh, and we'll look back in the book of Titus. And the Lord's kind of directed my heart here. It's, it's just funny, seems like uh, the Lord, he's just always right on time with exactly what you need. Brother Goldston had a good time. Uh, Uh, devotion this morning. Appreciate him uh, talking about that. The Lord's always right on time, always uh, willing to help and give to us what we need. And uh, if we'll be in our place, uh, the Lord will always give you something from the Word of God. And so, uh, if you'll look, I'm going to just run through this quickly uh, As quick as I can I tried to cut the, the scene a little bit shorter this morning So that we can spend a little time here But I'm going to catch us up in just a minute uh, I, I won't, and I won't do this again to you uh, But just go back with me in Titus chapter number 1 And um, we will, I'll give you this um, So that you, if you, in case you write any of this stuff down uh, But in Titus chapter number 1 We see an introduction to begin And we know he's introducing uh, Uh, The letter just as Paul's custom is to do in these letters and um, he you know is uh, addressing uh, Titus whom he calls him my own son after the common faith and um, now Titus is a Greek uh, that we know he's a Greek um, through and through and uh, so he sends him to this Greek island known as Crete and um, Paul does and and under the direction of the Holy Spirit we believe Um, but this young preacher Paul loved him and uh, dearly uh, as Timothy uh, and um, he wanted him to go and to set some things in order. Now, uh, Creed, the best I could tell, there was secretions on the day of Pentecost that were there. Um, I don't know what role they may have played in going back to their homeland after uh, having those things take place there and maybe begin to mimic maybe some of what they saw uh, on the day of Pentecost. And, uh, uh, but it's mostly believed, uh, the tradition anyway teaches, that Paul, after his first imprisonment in Rome stopped here at this island of Crete, this Greek island, and established uh, churches, saving, uh, 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 preaching the gospel. Folks were getting saved. And for whatever reason, he left early and was not able to establish what God wants in churches. He wants order. Right? God's a God of order. Uh, God's not disorderly. Uh, sometimes uh, we can seem disorderly, uh, but uh, God's a God of order. And so uh, he wants order. And that's kind of the theme here uh, of the book of Hide us, to help us to see, as uh, you say, Brother Clint, we're not like the island of Crete. No, we're not. Uh, we live in a nation that's worse than that, uh, but uh, our church is not necessarily resembling what's going on here, but uh, what it does show is it proves a pattern to us of how things should be and how things should continue. Uh, this wasn't uh, how we operate, generally speaking, there may be some traditions mingled into some things that we do, but it's not based upon tradition, it's based upon the Bible. Bible, right so we don't we don't uh, um, there's nobody in Dallas or nobody anywhere else that's telling us how uh, we are to conduct our business we are in a local autonomous church under the direction of the head which is the Lord Jesus and uh, and this is why we do and behave as we do and behave uh, is because this house instructed in the Bible so so what did he do uh, to get some order in that church uh, to the church is plural uh, actually so we see uh, first off the introduction to begin and then we see the imperative to the body and this is imperative to the book the key to the understanding in chapter 1 verse number 5 he said for this cause left I thee in Crete and here's the cause it follows here that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting uh, that means that word wanting is things that are lacking uh, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And so we know this is the direction that he's left this young preacher. And uh, this is what his purpose of sending him uh, to the island, of leaving him in Crete and establishing some things. So there's two things that are mentioned and they're not the same, they're they're separate. Uh, We'll see later on, and I'll spare you the boring grammatical constructions of the sentences uh, that I uh, studied. But uh, um, uh, there's other places in which the and is used to refer to the same thing. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing refer to one event. It's one thing. Here, these are two separate things being established. I want you to go into the, to the cities. Now, what he may be saying is certain cities that he had appointed before, they had evidently spoken face to face. And he had told him these things when he was with him of what he wanted to do. And then he wrote him this letter. Uh, so he already knew of some things that he said I had appointed thee. So they had talked about this already. Uh, and so we know Paul must have been here uh, because he left, left Ivy in Crete. Uh, Uh, to me sounds like they were there together and he left him there as he moved on. And they spoke about the things that were going on in Crete and so he left him there and wanted him to do two things. He wanted him to set some order and and how is he going to do that? Uh, Things that are lacking. Well, one thing that was lacking was elders in every city. That leaves us a pattern. You know what that helps me to see some things? I, I believe God is very, very concerned about foreign missions. You say amen to that? And this church Loves foreign missions. Um, But here, this is a local mission. Here, he's telling him, "I, I want to see you ordain elders in every city. Right, I want to see churches established uh, in Harem. I want Harriman Baptist Tabernacle. I want uh, I want Calvary Baptist Church in Kingston. I want to see. I, I want every city to have elders in them, which means there should be a church there. Right, elders in every city. That may be even mean plural. It may even be uh, several churches in a city. Uh, is uh, so. Uh, what he's establishing here is a pattern. We should be concerned about our neighbor, shouldn't we? What I'm getting at is, uh, I I take Oak Ridge, for example. We've tried for years, uh, and I know of one church that tried, and they started a church there, actually preached there uh, many years ago. And... um and the church ended up going under. Uh, and I had another pre- another pastor um, in East Tennessee uh, called me and asked me about starting a work there and uh, was inquiring about starting a work. And I've just never seen a good fundamental church last in Oak Ridge. I, I don't know why. I'm assuming it's because of the the various uh, ones that were brought in as those scientists brought in their religions and their cultures. And, and uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know the answers to all of that. I don't know. Uh, but we should be concerned about that, shouldn't we? We should be concerned that folks in Oak Ridge Ridge have a Bible-believing church and an ordained elders in the cities and and church functioning the way God wants the local church to function. And so this is how he wanted to do it. He wanted to start out, I want you to set in order the things that are wanting. So uh, what's imperative to the body is first off is ordained elders in the local cities. And so he was going about doing that and that wasn't his only point of uh, business was ordaining these elders. And we went through uh, the qualifications for these men because these men are going to preach to others that they should be sober so they need to be sober right and so so he starts off with them and he said now I want you to ordain these elders and here's how I want these elders to be and I'll give them to you quickly we know them already Uh, but he should be a husband first he should be himself faultless he should be a holy friend. He should hold fast, which means he should adhere to the word that was taught to him so that he can hold forth that same word uh, and preach it unto others. And he deals with those elders. I want you to ordain. We need qualified, ordained men in every city preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that. And I don't believe that just in Africa. I believe that's just as good right here in America. We need churches in America. I, I know Brother Beard was telling me about a man that's going to New York City, got all the his support raised already he said, I don't need nothing else more than literature and prayer. And uh, so uh, I believe that's a good place to go. Brother Ben, where he's headed, uh, the ungodliness in a lot of cities, not every place is blessed like Rome County. Rome County is blessed with a lot of good churches and good Bible preachers. And, uh, um, you know, there may be some uh, some that slip through the cracks here and there. Uh, but for the most part, our county is highly blessed with good churches and God-fearing, holy living, uh, uh, sin-killing preaching. Amen. And I love it. And uh, so thank God for that. Uh, but so we should be concerned with the locality as well uh, as foreign missions. And so we want to ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And so he goes through and he talks about the blameless and the husband of one wife. And we, we already went through that, so I'm not going to go Go through that again, and then and uh, we'll start uh, reading again, probably about verse number ten. Uh, but he said, uh, "Not only do I want ordained elders in the local cities, I want to order everything that's lacking constantly." Now, I, that word is going to come from later on, uh, but what I want these men to do and I, what I want you to do is I want you to go for and I want you to preach, right? And what was his first problem? The first problem that he ran into uh, to to get some order, there was a lot of dysfunction. Has anybody been on vacation and slipped into a church they wish they didn't? I was talking to a preacher, Brother Sexton, and we were talking, He and the, the preacher was telling me his family's on vacation, and they slipped in this little old church, and it had all the right names, you know, Fundamental, Premillennial, KJV, you know, had all the uh, the proper little surfaces there to it, and uh, he said he slipped in there, and he said you would not believe the mess that was going on in that church. It was just disorderly. Uh, you, you just had all kinds of just random people getting up. One guy was reading a poem, you know, about something, and he went and sat out, and then some lady got up and started talking. He said it it was just, it was, I won't go into everything he said, but it was a mess while well, he was telling me it was going on. That's not what God wants. God wants order in the church, right? Now, I like it sometimes. If you were here on Friday, uh, Friday night uh, during that meeting that we had, when the Lord moved, it look it could look to others a little disorderly. People standing up going woo! And you got Brother Rain swinging his coat and hallelujah. That's not disorderly. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about that. Uh, but God wants order in his church. He wants order to be in the house of God. And so there's, there is an order to things and it's not an order of importance. You understand what I'm meaning when I say order. Uh, God wants things to be orderly. And here's how he wanted it to start. He wants to have a high expectation for those men and he wanted those men to go forth and he wanted to preach. And what was the first problem that he wanted to get straightened out? And uh, we'll look, we see that in um, verse number 11. In verse number 11, or excuse me, verse number 10, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers especially but not exclusively they of the circumcision. And so uh, verse number 11, uh, after he deals with the uh, various things there, um, he, he looks at uh, uh, the hurtful frauds. That's what I uh, uh, entitled this. Uh, these people were hurting the sheep and that they were preaching things that were not so and they were turning God's people from the truth. Right? It's vital that we have sound Bible doctrine being preached from our pulpits. Uh, it's damaging to Christians to hear people uh, tell them things. I've talked to some people, if you're not careful, I've talked to some Calvinists who made me really think about what, what I believed. They, they got a way to put some things out there to you now. Make you really question Romans 9. And uh, you got to really study your Bible you know and just don't let them confuse you uh, a lot of a lot of intellectuals you'll find end up Calvinists because they want to put God into their equation they have to be able to say if, uh, if God uh, a and God's B will always equal C and they want to figure God out in their mind and be able to plug him into his equation to their equation and always be able to predict and figure out and know God you'll never know and understand fully the mas- the majesty of God you know there's just some things left to God I don't understand you know and um uh, so let let God be God and just believe the Bible. He chooses the foolish things of this world, right, to confound the wise. Not many wise, not many noble are chosen. Does that make you feel good? amen and uh, so God uses the foolish things of this world And uh, but anyway uh, they're hurtful frauds they claim that they know God this is what he, he goes on to talk about they profess that they know God but in works they deny him he's referring to those false preachers those frauds that are teaching people and putting them back under the ceremonial laws and so uh, he deals with that he said that's the first thing I want you to deal with uh, I want you to go out and here's what I want you to do I want you to start looking for number one I want you you start looking for men, right? Amen. Now, it doesn't mean, ladies, we're going to see the the great importance that ladies have in our home. But there's no ordained women preaching the gospel that God ordained. Amen. Sorry, that's just not what He said to do. You can't be the husband of one wife and be a woman, right. right? And if you're confused about which one you are, I can't help you anyway. You disqualify anyway because you're, you're crazy. <laughs> Everybody okay? It's not hard to figure out. And uh, um, it doesn't matter what you do to yourself, you'll never be a man. Amen? It's just the way it is. Or it's vice versa. And uh, so you, well, I'm not going to say that. All right. So. He said, I want you to have your eye out. I want you to go through I want you because I want you to ordain elders because I'm going to call you home. I'm going to bring you to the complex. Now, I'm going to send somebody else, uh, the, and I'm not figuring out exactly who. He tells us at the end of the letter, and he said, I'm going to send them in your stead. Uh, but 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 he was not the bishop of Crete. Right? He was going to set in order some things Paul didn't get to establish. Paul had to go. And so he wanted to leave those people with ordained elders who were taught and knew the things of God and how to keep order in the church. Right? And then he was going to leave. And so he, 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 he uh, did that. he said, now I want you to have your eye out when you go into these cities and I want you to be looking for husbands. Yeah, that's, right. that's why you got to look at it now. Now, I'm not saying it's excluding single men. I'm just telling what the Bible said. The Bible said, if any man be the husband of one wife, right? He lays things out, having faithful children, not accused of unruly, and he goes, for a bishop of the servant of God must be blameless, and all those things he goes on to say. And that's the kind of men I want you looking for, because God entrusts men with his business, fallen men, right? And uses them in positions of leadership. That does not mean that women are second class in the church. Right? Some people say that. Say, well, you go to that fundamental church and they don't let women do nothing. If it wasn't for women in this church, this thing fall apart. Amen. I tell you right now. I sat over there in that meeting the other night with those ladies keeping this thing going. And uh, they they, pro- they did probably pretty good, Brother Jones, uh, because of the way he's able to operate. But my poor little old brain, they're going to have to really work at keeping this thing going. I'm all over the place. I I seen some people standing back there. I I just come come to me all of a sudden. I said, "Hey, they're not going to have any room. Let's get up." Well, I got everybody to get up. There was two tables open. I had the ladies standing outside. I mean, I just that's the way my brain operates. If it wasn't for the ladies of this church, this whole thing fall apart. That doesn't mean they're second rate or they're less than us or they're no. It's actually quite contrary. They're very important to God's church. But just because I don't ordain a woman, let her preach the Bible, doesn't mean I think less of women. I'm just trying to follow God. I know some women i trust more to know the will of God than I do a lot of men. But I can't lay hands on them and ordain them to pastor a church. Right? And so, because that's God's business. So, so he tells him, I want you to do that. And then I want you to say, that's one thing that he said in order is we need some churches established, some order brought to those churches with elders there so that they can teach and affirm these things constantly. And then he said, the first thing is uh, that, I, that I see is you've gotten, especially the Jewish Judaizers, they're teaching false things and they're getting everybody confused about the relation uh, that they have to the law. That's a confusing subject a lot of times. And the last thing you need is a Jew that, uh, that's still trying to uh, work in the ceremonial laws of, the, of Moses uh, into uh, uh, the, uh, the life of a Christian, right? A Jewish Christian or a Greek Christian. And so uh, that was very confusing. So what, how, how are we going to fix that, Paul? How are we going to deal with these hurtful frauds? You're going to hush the frauds. Here's how you're going to do it. You're not going to go in there and start smacking people. Come on now, everybody wake up. Amen. You're not going to go in there because the weapons of our warfare are warfare, not my car, right through God. You're going to go in there and you're just going to preach what's right. Amen. Right? And, I, and, the, and God, if you honor the Word of God, the Word of God is by you. And God will honor the truth and the Word of God, and it'll go forth and accomplish what He sent it to. As do that falls down from heaven, it'll accomplish what God wants the Word of God to accomplish. So just stand in the pulpit and just preach the truth, and it don't matter if it hair lips the devil. Amen. Right? And that'll take care of them false that false crowd. God will take care of them. Just get in the pulpit and preach the Bible, right? Now they didn't have the full canon of scriptures at the time, but that's how we are now. <laughs> that was just per, now. Okay, so here's what we, here's how you're gonna do with them. You're gonna hush the frogs. I want their mouths stopped, and I want you to preach what's right, right? Alright, so that'll take care of that. Now you'll have to do that all the time because you're going to have folks pop up all the time with some kind of false doctrine and you just got to keep preaching the truth, right? right. A man pleaser would adjust the truth to try to keep people happy. Don't go in there and and hurt those Jews and don't, you know, they all believe the same God. A man that believes he has to work to keep his salvation doesn't believe the same God I do, right. right? We're not on the same team. And so don't worry about that crowd. In fact, those that are trying to put people under the law, he he goes on to tell him uh, they're unbelievers. Right? So don't worry about them. God's concerned about his sheep. He wants you to go in there, set things in order, and run them wolves off, and he wants you to hush their mouth by preaching the truth. Right? That's the first thing he has him deal with. Then we come to the next part, and uh, he deals with the habits of the family. So he he deals with, in verse number, uh, go with me here, I'm not going to go back and we already kind of preached uh, a lot of the uh, other things there. Uh, but uh, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said there are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Right? This witness is true. Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. There's some things you just don't put up with long. That's right. right? You just got to rebuke it. You got to rebuke it sharply and just let it fall where it falls. If it knocks you out, it'll just have to knock you out. Because we're not going to change the truth to make you happy. Amen. Right? Everybody okay so far? Because that'll be different. He's going to change tunes in, verse, in chapter 2. And he's going to use this word, exhort them. That's different than rebuke sharply. That's to beg, to beseech them, to, uh, to I beg you, please, servants, uh, obey your masters. He's talking in different language there. It's a lot different than a sharp rebuke. There's different deliveries for different times. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God for those kinds of things. Now, um, one of them says, he said, this witness is true, and I want you to rebuke them sharply, sound in the faith. Don't give heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men, unto pure all things are pure. Verse 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being the of disobedient, and even their good works are rejected of God. Okay? That's the false deceivers and the false unruly vain talkers that has been causing everybody trouble. Then we get down to chapter 2. And uh, after he deals with the habits of the family, he said, "I want you to face the harsh facts. You just sometimes listen, you can't just ignore when people are, 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 are living in open sin and rebellion to God claim to be saved. you can't just let it go. There comes a time you have to just face the harsh facts and the reality of what's going on and cut them sharply with the word of God and rebuke it. It Just has to happen. And uh, so uh, uh, but that's not all the time, but that's uh, uh, definitely something he wanted him to do here and just face the harsh facts. And so then we get down to chapter 2, verse number 1. And uh, you can take your pick, either holiness in the faithful, but I like he wanted a healthy family. He, he, he's speaking in language here that makes me immediately begin to think of the church as a family. And it is. Brother Goldston mentioned it this morning. The church should function as a family functions. Amen. Right? You got the dad who's the head, the wife who's the help, and the children that are the hope, right? And they function and they hold none of them are any less than the other. It's not a matter of more important or less important. Uh, it's just a matter of submission and different roles that they play at using their gifts that God gifted them with. It's just a difference, not a, not a matter of a value, right? I have a pretty good idea how valuable all of us are when God sent his son into this world in our stead. Everybody was as equally valued when God shed His blood on Calvary, right? And so God doesn't have any. Uh, big, there's there's none of that stuff going on uh, uh, in the body of Christ, nor does God want it that way. We had to be careful not to be respecter of persons and all those things. All right, so He wanted a healthy family. So uh, Titus, I want you to go in them. I want you to go to. I'm going to stay in Crete. I want you to travel around to these cities. I want you to rebuke the false teachers by just preaching the gospel and them Christians that are letting their natural flesh. Guide them and lead them in their life. They're, they're out of order. They're disorderly in how they're living. And uh, I want you to rebuke them sharply. Because I want them to be whole and complete and sound in the faith. Right? That's what I want you to do. Now, how do you have a healthy church? How do you have a healthy family? Well, we've already started with it. You need a sound Bible preacher. That's number one. Who qualifies to be in the pulpit. That's number one. Uh, but that will never be enough for God's church. Just won't be enough. Now, could it be? I guess it could be. But that's not the way God has set, has set to order his church. He doesn't want some man lording over his heritage and he's the only one able to do anything or doing anything and trying to, what you end up with in that uh, is, it does resemble a cult in which uh, you've got people following a man. And that's not what he wants, right? And so what he wants, yes, there's a head. Yes, there's a head to Christ Jesus. And then you have the under shepherd and obey them to have the rule over you and all those things that that are very true and very real. And we won't go into those. Most of us don't have a problem with that. We understand that, know that, how God ordered his church and those things. Uh, But uh, then he said, what I want is that you got that preacher preaching and speaking sound doctrine. And he's living and conducting his life in a manner that's honorable to that office just as well as he was expected. Others to respect the office Hey wouldn't that be nice If you could get pastors to respect the office As much as they command Everybody else to respect it Why don't you act in respect to it Preacher Amen Is that okay, does that hurt anybody I don't really care, I just say that Fill in space, no I'm kidding Alright, so he said, Alright, I want you to ordain hell with him the priest, and then what's gonna to have to happen, if you're gonna be able, listen, how many of you have been able to see, and this isn't an attack, and if you think I'm attacking this, just shame on you, I would never hurt anybody. But how well if you look, and I don't know if any of you listen to this guy, I won't mention his name, uh, but he talks about one of the number one leading factors in poverty and people living in poverty is not government programs, it's single-parent homes. The world knows that. That's not Bible. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the world knows that. Finish school and don't end up. (laughs) So, well, that's not the message. So. Uh, if you and I both know uh, and I've seen ladies and I've seen single men try to re- lead and raise a home by themselves and you would not believe the difficulties that it takes in the toll that it takes on a person to try to lead that home and work and do everything that needs to be done and try to parent that thing by themselves. Now, I'm not, I, hey, I ain't hurting anybody. I'm not ta- even talking about that. What I am going to say is, is that's not God's will for the home, right? He wants two twain to become one, and he wants them to leave their mother and their father and cleave unto one another and, and, and create that unity. And so in the church, it's the same way. You can't have a single parent home in the church. It takes others in the church to make it work right. If you want order in the church, it can't just be built on the name of some man. It's got to be, if you want the young people to do right, and you want the older people, and you want that thing to be and function as honors God, it's going to take everybody working together as a unit to be able to produce it. Not one man can do it now. Not a pastor, not a visiting evangelist. Once a year, it's going to take the work, the everyday intentional labor of God's people, every single member in the body doing their part to make sure that church functions in an orderly fashion and honors God. Hey, you get in a home and you get in that home and uh, I know, uh, well... I've tried to do my best not to use my kids as examples anymore. That's tough. The only ones I got ain't raised no other kids. Uh, So let me just say it like this. You all know what I'm talking about, mom and dad. You know exactly what I'm saying. When you're raising that family and you're trying to lead them in the things of God and you're trying to carry them through and you're trying to get them going right, you get one of them kids backwards get one of those kids to get involved in sin, you get one of those kids to do wrong, it it tears up that whole house. Just one of you kids can tear the whole home nearly apart. You can cause mom and dad to start arguing because they're arguing over how to deal with you and maybe daddy was too harsh and maybe she thinks this and maybe that's the way not, not to be, but that's the way sometimes it can very much happen. It's a reality. Two imperfect people trying to raise an imperfect kid. And uh, so you see this happening, you go on and you just get one. It doesn't matter if it's a little kid, if it's an older teenager, doesn't matter what age the group you have them in. If they get backwards, if they get raw, if they get upset, if they get out in sin, whatever is to happen, I'm telling you, it can nearly destroy that home. It's, I've seen kids alone destroy marriages. I've seen people divorce because of the, 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 the problems out of a single child. Not a single family child. I'm talking about just that one child, that one instance. One, one of you, just one of you, get messed up. You're important. I'm not belittling your position. You young people are important. What I'm trying to say is, it's the same way in this church. You get one person that gets offended. You get one person that gets wrong. You get one person that's out in sin. You get one person that gets mad. You get one person, whatever it is, you get that one person outside the will of God. It can nearly tear the whole church in half. Some of you have been here a long time, been through church business. You A amen me on that one, would you? You've been through enough to know that's the truth. It's it's amazing one person can do that in a church, but that just works just the opposite. You get one person fired up for God, to change that whole house. Right. When God saved me, it, my whole family. started. It wasn't long after that God saved my dad. God put Nikki and Beth in church. Uh, Nikki and uh, Nikki and David, and put Beth and Spencer started going to church. And I mean, he nearly started dealing with my whole family when I when the Lord saved me. That's the way way it can happen. So you young people gotten on fire for God, it's helped all of us. (laughs) I was a little cold myself. And uh, we've seen a lot, Brother Reed. We've been (laughs) through a lot. And, uh, And man, it's been a joy to see young people get fired up for God. You can be a blessing to your church or you can be a help to it. It takes everybody involved. This is a group effort, right? want and, and that's the reason this church is still here. It was never built on a man's name. That's why you all are still here going on and trying to adjust to me and living for God and supporting the church and going right on. Because it wasn't built on a man. Right? This is God's church. Right? I thank God for that. Thank God for that. Wouldn't be here if otherwise. Right? Y'all loved the church and stood with it. Thank God for that. And so it's going to take, it's like a family working together to have healthiness, to have wholeness, to have order in that church. The aged men, and that's where he starts out next, in verse number 2. He starts out with the aged men. Now, I'm under the persuasion for various reasons. I won't bore you with. I am settled on the fact that this is talking about age as in age of years. Older men. Do believe that. Now, uh, I don't know an age category to cut that off at. I'd say uh, Billy, as old as he is, is pushing it. But uh, I don't know. I just want to throw that in there before you started thinking it. But I, I would say the hoary head, the Bible talks about it often, would be a good, you know, the white hair of the head of the man. I, I don't know. I don't. I hate to stop there. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, but the aged men, I do believe that's in years to whatever years that that might be. I'd say I'm knocking on the door. I don't know. Forties to fifties could still be aged men. I still see myself as a younger man and looking up to the older men. So I, I, I don't really know exactly. But uh, you figure that out from, from the Lord's perspective on your end, uh, where you fit in that category but he said the aged men and here's what I want them to do so we've got the preacher straight and we we got him qualified and we got him speaking and preaching sound doctrine let's preach this book and not his opinion and commandments that he feels like is right just preach the book right it'll be alright but that won't be enough I want you to tell when you get there remember he's going into these cities trying to establish some order people were out of order Maybe maybe you had, uh, uh, I don't know, I mean, our minds could wonder and go on, uh, but he said, here's what I want to happen. If you want this church to function right, and you want people, if you want this church to honor God, you're going to start that preacher, and you're going to start with them aged men. and Now, what do you want out of them aged men? Now, there's two things I want you to notice, and we'll go on quick because we talked about the aged men a little bit already. I do not see a connection to the aged men and the young women. So, uh, uh, these aged men, you know how in the next verse it'll say the young, the, the, uh, the, aged women, I want them to live this way so that they can teach the young women. I do see that. But there's not a connection connecting one group to the aged men. Uh, so I, I just, I, I believe that's possibly t- uh, uh, telling us uh, of how men ought to conduct themselves in a church, right? We, we shouldn't be to, to, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, spending too much time with young women that are not our wives. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't teach them and we couldn't teach in a class where they're in there. That. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, but what I am saying in direct correlation to these scriptures is, number one, he deals with them aged men. And he tells them this, and this is one of his favorite words to use in about every category for this healthy family. If you want a healthy church family. The aged men are going to have to be sober. And we talked about that. Being sober is being serious-minded. You're going to have to have those men uh, serious-minded about eternity. They're going to have to be serious about the things of God, serious about church. And as the young men look upon that thing, they see just how serious their walk with God is to them. That's encouraging to them as a young man. Encourages me, I know as a young man, to look at these older men and to see them so serious. Uh, they, 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 can, they, 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 they shape their life around God's business. That's a man that's sober in his thinking. A lot of people fit church and God into where they can fit him into their schedule. As you get older, you'll see how vital it is that you better work your schedule around God. <laughs> Daily, weekly, monthly, however you want to look at it. And so they're sober. They're serious-minded. And I said this Wednesday night, and I just want to say it again. Young men, pay, pay close attention in particular to these kind of things about these older men. Because it takes some age on you to get some of this. It's not something you come by night. My brother Golson mentioned 40-something years he's been saved. He didn't, he's not as calm and as sober and temperate as he is now overnight. If you talk to him at 30-something, we might get a little bit different story, Ms. Golston, wouldn't we? So, so it takes some time. And, and 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 older men, I want to say to you what an encouragement it is. Focus on those things too. You got to understand, as a young man, I, I was thinking about this. Let me let me give you these quickly, um, and I'll give you something that, that happened to the age of men that they uh, that they show and lead uh, more uh, more so than what they just say. Uh, they're sober. They're serious about life and eternity. Grave. We looked at that. That's to be honest in their dealings with with others. They're they're honest, uh, temperate, meaning they're they're moderate. They're calm. They're under control. Now, I want to say something right here because as a young man, you're going to find this has not come easy to you. When stuff goes on in my life, I'm going to tell you what my insides do. Ah! I said, I'll wake some of you up. I don't normally scream like that. That's what my insides are doing. Now, I'm sitting there going, "Mm mm-hmm, yes, let's pray about this. And inside, I'm going, ah! over that's how a young man is not all young men I'm talking generally there's always exceptions to the rule but young men you'll find in yourself you have a tendency to be out of control get wild and make some rash decisions based on emotion where an older man's going to think through these things he's going to step back he is going to spend some time in prayer he's going to be calm and relaxed you know why he's been through this battle before And when I call these older preachers, Brother Curry, Brother Ghost, Brother Reed, I call these older men. Hey, I've got this going on, this going on. And here's Brother Bearden. Well, brother. And I'm thinking, did you hear me? Get a gun. Let's go shoot somebody. It's over. Well, now, Brother Clint, reckon we ought to pray about this. Pray, are you kidding me? Let's get to it, buddy. That's the difference in a young man and an older man. They're calm. They've been through these battles. These older men are in this for the long haul. A lot of you are. I don't know. Some of you may fit into that category already. I don't know. I may myself. I I, I don't know. I'm just preaching to you. I don't have the answers to that necessarily. But uh, I find that to be true in myself. I'm I'm making jokes, but I do find myself a lot calmer than than I used to be. You know I'm telling you, right? Um, they're, they're temperate. They're moderate. Can I tell you, you older men, how important that is to your past, to me, and to this church to have you and to have that skill set about you? Because it helps me. If I call Brother Reed freaking out about something, he generally tries to make me laugh. You know why? Because it's, it's not that he's not taking it serious. He is taking it serious. He takes it very serious, but he's sitting there thinking, you know, I've been through a whole lot worse than this before, and you know what? If we'll pray and we'll just get through this, God's going to see us through it. See, you get through them battles and them men. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you, you older men, I I really want to encourage you that. uh, What a help that is to me, Uh, and I know it is to these young men to see you, some of you. And it's not just the men. I mean, you ladies, some of you have been literally physically attacked. Some of you have been attacked spiritually by others. You've been through such battles. It's a miracle of God you ain't quit. It's just a miracle of God. But you know what? You just stayed consistent. You've stayed faithful. And you've just stayed calm through the storm because you knew God was in control. And that helps us younger folks not to get so out of sorts. We can just be a little calmer and be, okay, you know what? Because, see, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I, I hate to be so slow in my preaching, but I'm trying to be deliberate here. In my home, I could tell how serious things were by looking at my daddy's face. Amen. That's right. If, if, if uh, uh, my brother one time would come home and said he seen somebody up in the window, walk past our window, they broke into a uh, house. And I'm sitting there freaking out. I'm a little kid. But I just looked at my dad's face to see whether it was serious or not. My dad's face was just as stone, like calm as it could be. And he just walked through that front door. I guess he's going to kill somebody, I guess. Just as calm about as he always been. I guess he's going to do to them what he does to me when he's correcting me. <laughs> yeah, get him. And, uh, but then I could watch him. Sometimes I could see some look on his face and I knew things were serious. It's time to panic when daddy's panicking. And... Uh, I do the same thing, and you young men do that, uh, uh, when you get, when you get to feeling like you just, well, I, I tell you what, I'm done with this, I'm leaving, I'm over, and I'm, and you get out of control, and you get out of, get to these, young, get to these older men. Talk to some of these older men. Amen. And, and, and you know what you'll see in their face? They're pondering, they're taking it serious too. Some of these situations aren't serious. Um, but what you're going to see in them is a temperance, a calmness, a, a moderation that will help you to keep from getting out of control and it, it does that for me I, I tell you it does that for me I, I like getting with these older men you can't hardly shake them you can't hardly shake them they are, they are set they don't they done sit there like a flint they are going with God they're going with God's church it'd take a SWAT team the FBI and, and Secret Service to blow them out of here they have just they're in it for the long haul it don't matter what storms come we're going to get through the other side I'm going with Jesus Amen. we need some of that in us don't we Thank God for these aged men. Sober and grave and temperate, sound in faith. And I, I, I studied that out, and I, I don't think that's meaning the exercising of your faith, uh, but I'm persuaded it's talking about sound in the faith. But in charity, in patience, and now let me move on to them because I've just got just a couple of minutes, about four minutes. I hate that I did that again to you, but... I wanted to catch us back up and give you that uh, couple of thoughts that I've been pondering on on that. He's going to turn to these, to these uh, I'm going to start calling it the aged women group. Is that okay? No, nobody said okay to that. <laughs> get the aged women's group up here to sing. Well, that's a quick way to get out. But I believe it's the same thing here. I, I know it's talking about in age, and I think it's talking about older women. Um, I, I don't know, again, to what age groups are, uh, um, you know, to qualify you here. I, I, you're just going to have to just mind the Lord and pray and just see kind of, um, you know, I, I think it might be a little bit younger than even I think so uh, when I really think about this practically. But that's not really the point. Um, the point is I think we've got a pretty good idea of who the younger women are. So if you're not a young woman, maybe, maybe that is, will help us uh, some in it. But he said, the aged women, I want them likewise. Likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. So, what I, what I want for the women, these men, I want them leading the way in these areas. And then here's how I want the women to conduct themselves. I want their behavior. I want their manner of life to say holy. Boy, that's, that's a big statement, people. I want how they talk, where they go, who they associate with, what they wear, what they—I'm telling you—I want everything about that person's life to be a, to be fitting to this word holiness. I think that's important for many reasons of why he focuses in here on that. I, I don't really know uh, exactly why uh, that he, he, he pulls out some of the things that he pulls out. Uh, I see it in the men, uh, but in women, he's going to give you this one now. And the aged women, I, I want them, if we want our young people to, to live right and to conduct themselves in a holy manner, we're going to have to see it in our older women first, right? Amen. They're going to have to teach it to the young women. If you want teenage girls to be holy, then we got to have aged women that are holy. Teaching the young girls to be holy. This is a holy God and a holy Bible with a holy spirit. And you're to be holy. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so, if we want that out of our young ladies, what we what we need is the Asian women to be holy. And thank God for many of you that are. I'm not. I'm not even going into that. I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching the Bible. I believe we. I, I would take. Uh, I would take the women of this church over about any church that I know. So please don't misunderstand me. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just preaching the Bible. And the Bible said I want the Asian women. I want their behavior. I want their conduct. Their manner of life. I want them to say. I want it to adorn. I want it to be fitting to this matter of holiness. So dad, if you expect something out of your wife that isn't holy, you are out of line. Amen. You're out of line. Because God's told her to live her life in a holy manner so that they can teach some young women. To be. So please don't put your wife in a position to have to do something that's unholy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Holiness. Age women likewise, they be in behaviors, becometh Holiness. Not false accusers. I don't know why this is so, but evidently this is a problem in women a little bit more than men. And when I think about it, I have to say that's right. We've seen Judge Kavanaugh nearly get destroyed by some, one person making one accusation. Can I say something, young men? It don't even have to happen. A lady, can, a woman, a young woman, a woman can say that it happened and you'll nearly never live it down. Don't put yourself in a position where she can say things like that. It's not exclusive to women, but I have seen it, and you all have seen it. I have seen women make accusations to get attention, and it was never so, and that man will never prove otherwise. God will judge her for it. Don't put yourself in a position where a lady could say something like that about you. Don't be alone with a woman. That goes good for all of us men. But you young men, you got no business being alone with a woman. You can say, well, it didn't happen. Good luck proving it. It's your word against hers. Likewise, young women, you know what I see with the average rape case in America? It gets thrown out because you can't prove it. Don't put yourself in a position where he can take advantage of you. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. I still believe the Bible. Now, not false accusers. They're not slanderers. They're not going tearing people down saying things that aren't so. Now, I don't know why he points that out to women because I've seen men just as bad as that. <laughs> but anyway, that's what God did, okay? Not given to much wine. Now, I don't even like to joke about this. We're going to have that lady's day and I said, we're going to have drinks. Some of you need to get right with God. <laughs> Where your mind went. Not giving too much wine. Teachers of good things. Boy, that's a, that's a lot to say, isn't it? Let's get some of those good things and we'll go home. If they're going to be teachers of good things, what kind of good things do you want them to teach? Now here's, what, here's, here's what I want to teach. I want them to teach young women to be sober. So, young ladies, you see your responsibility right here. So, in the church, what's my responsibility? As a young woman, you need to be sober. You need to be serious about the thing. Not drinking at the ladies' day thing. That's all I'm talking about. Look up here. I'm talking about sober-minded. Be serious about the things of God. Don't, hey, you better be serious about what I said about not touching a man. Touching him makes him think that you're interested in doing something else. Don't put yourself out there to make him think that you're available or that you're willing to do things that are already on his mind. Is that okay to preach here? Don't put yourself out there like that. You say, well, I'm just being nice to him. Nice equals something else to most young men. Well, she must want me. I was just trying to be nice to him. I don't even like him. Well, in his mind, he's already got you and two married. You you and him married. That's how a man thinks. Am I telling it right? A young man, if a woman shows interest in him, a lot of times a defiled young man's mind is going to be thinking that there's some things he can get her to do. Be careful how you conduct yourselves around young men. So I don't want to go around suspect of all of them. You better be suspect of all of them. (laughs) And I love you young men. But I don't want my daughter uh, uh, even to sit next to any of you. Right? And I trust a lot of them in a a certain way. They're good young men. We got some fine young men here. But I don't trust flesh. I don't trust yours and I don't trust mine. And if you trust yours, you're crazy. So, is that good? Good. I like it. Y'all a bunch of legalists. They don't even let their young people make out and hold hands. Yeah, boy, we're crazy, aren't we? They're so crazy down there, they believe the Bible. Won't even let their young people touch each other. Boy, I tell you, guilty. Yes. Guilty as charged. I've seen what that does to a life. Yes. We're just a bunch of legalists, I guess. Now, so young women, these, eight, these, these older women are going to teach you that stuff? Well, we, we're coming back tonight. I want the older women, I want to teach these young women to be sober. You better take things serious, young ladies. Amen. This is serious business. You know why a lot of us older folks tell you the things that we do? Because most of us have been there. We've seen that. We've got scars from it. We've seen it ruin other lives. We know what it is to play around with flesh. That's right. right. It will destroy you. It will ruin you. Yes, yes, so, so they're exhorted here to be sober. To be serious. Take these things serious. There is nothing more serious than your walk with God. Nothing in this world more serious than that. Don't throw it away because some young man's dumb enough to think he loves you. He don't even know what it means. Because I'm going to tell you what one man said. If he did love you, he wouldn't touch you. (laughs) If he loved you, he wouldn't put his hands on you. Now, this is a whole lot easier to do when you don't have in men in pulpits touching women they shouldn't be touching. Because, see, our young people see this. You see the order of why it's so important? How are you going to get in the pulpit and tell young men what to do and tell young ladies what to do and tell the aged men and the aged women what to do when you've got men in the pulpits that won't do it? To age men and how important that is. And you got men in the church guilty of the same job. How do we expect our young men to do it? That's why you're so vital to the health of this church. Uh, And these young ladies want them to be sober, serious about the things of God, take things seriously. And I... why don't Why don't we just come back tonight? This is This is a good stopping place. Because if If we go into these verses, we're going to have to stay here, and I don't want to. don't want to. I don't think the Lord wants me to do that. If 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 I did, I'd do it. You know, I'd do it. But I, I think we'd just come back here tonight, and we've We've dealt with the aged men, the aged women, and we'll just pick right back up with these young ladies and pick up where we talked about being sober. Now, these young women are old enough uh, at this point, uh, you know, they can still be married. So I, well, I don't want to get into that. But when you, when you get married to love their husbands and to love their children, boy, that's, a, that's important. That is the most vital thing. Sober about your walk with God. And then the love that you ought to display in and for your home. Because he's going to go into that and talk about them keepers at home. Now, appreciate you being here this morning and giving me a little few little extra minutes here. Stand to your feet. Brother Reed's going to come. Miss Jessica, can you play for him? Invitation if you need to come. But um, he's going to exhort to be sober. And uh, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I want to do my part. I don't want to be the reason somebody else stumbles. Aged men, aged women, preachers, and me as a pastor, I want to do my part. To make sure that I'm a help and a benefit to other Christians. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us. I believe that. Lord, I believe that about probably every member of our church that they believe that. They want to do their part. I don't think we have one person in here that's a member of this church that I know that wants to be a stumbling block to anybody. So, Lord, help us, please. We do want to glorify you with our lives, but we also want to be a help to others in their Christian walk. We want to be a help to this church. Lord, I believe that. We love you. Lord, it'll take your divine power and help. So please help us. Give us understanding and wisdom. And then help us to make make adjustments in our life where we need to. We love you in Jesus' name. If you need to come, Brother Reed's going to sing. 365. 365. If you want to sing along, you just mind the Lord.